Welcome back to the Life Church Podcast. We are continuing our series on vision. This is our second episode, Vision Has Value. Now here's our pastor, Benjamin Salas Jr. Even though this is 2020 and we're going to be getting super spiritual with you, I am still the same man I have always been. I'm going to say jokes that uh, probably aren't going to be funny, uh, but do like you've done in the years past. Just laugh anyways, okay? All right, so, uh, man, this is a great, a great time to, uh, to, to learn and, and to get in and, and start our year with vision. I believe that the Word of God says this, my people perish without vision. There's a lack of vision in the house. Uh, we ain't going to talk about any other house but our house, this house, right? So I believe God's going to do some things this year, and, and we're just going to learn, and we're going to be in, in the groove and in the grind of things. Uh, so I tell you what, let's just get right into it. Go to Proverbs 29, verse 18. This is our text. There's our title if you're taking notes. Uh, they were handing some papers out this morning to take notes. You can do it on your phone. Um, vision's value. We're doing a series on vision, but the value of vision this morning is what we're going to talk about. Let's do our text, Brother Chris. Okay, here we go. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, if you're taking notes. I love the way the message says it. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Say most blessed. Most blessed. Yes, we are. Now, here's the, uh, the preacher's or the Christian's Bible. It's the King James Version. So I've been told by my pastor, if you don't do it out of King James, you ain't doing it right. So here's King James for all you haters out there. Where there is no vision, say no vision. no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Say, I'm happy. You must have a, uh, there, a couple of y'all got a vision. Say, I'm happy. I'm happy. There you go. In the NIV, it says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off, restrain, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom Wisdom's instruction, where there is no revelation. It's a heavy word right there. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to go with the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Got to have vision. Say, I got to have vision. So we're going to jump right into how we're going to tie in the value of vision or vision's value, if you would. So there's a story I want to talk to you. If you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'm going to kind of, uh, we're going to be reading 11. But before we get to 11, I want to just kind of give you a glimpse of where we're going with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you go on grieving over Saul? So let me explain to you what's going on here. The book of Samuel is uh, partially or for mostly about Samuel, the prophet Samuel. So God anoints King Saul. The, the, the Bible explains it. And in, in studying on him, the book says he was about six, almost seven feet tall, had pretty beautiful hair, had colored eyes. We're talking about Saul, not Samuel, Saul. Okay, so Saul was this attractive man, had a radiant voice. One thing I don't like is when I start talking like this and they record me, man, first of all, I'm too dark. 
And when the light's hitting me and I'm watching myself from about right here up, it's just shining, you know, and I'm just critiquing myself. But anyhow, my voice is real, doesn't sound good. But they say King Saul's voice was so captivating. And when he walked in the room, he just carried with him the room. Well, how many of you know sometimes when, when, when people get a little bit of money, people get a little bit of authority, they just, they lose it. That's what happened with King Saul. So God starts talking to Samuel and tells him, get over it, man. The guy's not doing what I instructed and what I called him to do. So it's time to move on. Say, time to move on. Time to move yeah, on. it was time to move on. And Saul doesn't understand what is going on, why things started happening bad. How many of you guys have prayed and said, God, give me this job. Man, God, I need this job. And God gives you the job. And then the first thing you do when you get paid is you start complaining because you ain't getting the amount of money you wanted. Because you're working too much overtime. After you just said, God, I need this much money. I got to pay these bills. I've got to do this. And all of a sudden, there's a way where there was no way. And now you don't want to go that way. You don't, man, why I got to work every weekend? Why am I working devil's shit? Why did I get this job? How could, I told one brother one time, why don't you stop asking God for things that you really don't want? And then it'll stop. So Saul didn't understand why everything was going bad. So Samuel hears a word from God and he's praying and asking him to make a way where there is no way. You know, calling out on Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And he provides and he tells him, stop, move on. It's it. It's over. Samuel, all of a sudden, God tells him, go see this guy, Jesse. Here we are at verse 16 now. Hope I didn't confuse everybody and drag it along too long. So now we're at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. I'm sorry. We're jumping all the way down to 11. Okay? So go ahead and if you're following me, then you can. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Then he asked him, have you no more sons? So God tells Samuel to go to Jesse's house. Jesse has these sons. And one by one, he's sitting there. And Jesse, which is the father of all these sons, is calling all these sons into the house. Okay? And every time his son comes in, he says, no, that's not the one. Give me another one. You know what? I know which one it is, prophet. I know the one that's going to be anointed. Go call. Calls him in, his other son. Big, strong, burly young man. He's a soldier. He's got to be the one. No, that's not the one. Call the next one. Call the next And he's just going down the road with all his sons. Okay? So then all of a sudden, he, Jesse is asked this question by Saul, by Samuel. And he says, then he asked him, have you no more sons? Jesse answered, there's still, there is still one. He's the youngest one. But he's out there taking care of the sheep. You know, he's just out there making sure everything's going good. Verse 11 says, but he, they don't, don't even call him by his name. We don't, you guys know, at this point, we don't even know who he's talking about. Other than the fact it's just the youngest son, right? So I made a, a side note. Where's that side note we put up there? Because uh, this is really plays a role here in what we're talking about. And in verse 12, watch verse 12. 
Jesse sent for him. For him. Say for him. He was a handsome, healthy young man. His eyes were sparkling. Who did we just talk about a minute ago that looked just like that? Right? The king. The Lord said to Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him. And in my Bible, it's got exclamation points and parentheses. But check this out. This is an awesome word right here. Jesse says, calls him he. Didn't even call him by his name. And then at the end, when they called and he came in through the door, he's like, what's up, dad? What? Like a regular teenager. And then he says, oh, yeah, this is the one. He's not the one that God's calling that's going to be anointed to be king, but this is him anyways, just for kicks. Did you get that? Did you hear what I just said? God will call anyone he wants to call. No matter if you're working out in the fields, which in other words, here it is right here. It doesn't matter if you got a minimum wage job or not. It doesn't matter if your life seems insignificant or not. God will call who God wants to call, even if they don't call us by our name. This young man was David, later known in the Bible as King David. Go a little further in the Bible, known as a man after God's own heart. He was a kid. He wasn't, that means he wasn't taken serious. But isn't it funny how almost every single person in the Bible, from Paul to Peter to Jesus, they didn't have any kind of background to have a position to change the world. After he was anointed, we got this in the side notes. This is something good if you're, you're, you're taking notes or something. After he was anointed, after he was anointed, he had to go right back to work. Now imagine this. How many of you guys have ever been in service and, and the power of God starts moving and somebody calls you and they, they speak a word into your life that's called prophesying? They anoint you, your hands are raised, you start crying, snot's flying. Oh my God, you get slain in the spirit. Pick him back up and then you get slain again. And oh my God, you know, your hair is all jacked up. You know when it's real, like you lose a shoe. You know what I mean? You got your hair all fixed up and the ponytail's way over here to the side, sister. Your glasses are like this. I'm like, God, dang, God just touched me. I'm, holy cow, where's my shoes at? I don't even know where my shoes are at. What the heck's going on in here? And you get up, and guess what happens? Reality. The way you walked in, the same car you came in, you're going back in that car that they're about to repo because you ain't met your two payments behind. You ain't got no insurance. You out there riding dirty? How many guys know what riding dirty is? Huh? You out there riding dirty, man? God just changed your life and you just got drunk Friday when you got out of work. You still got the beer cans in the back seat. Can I be real with you this morning? But you just got a, a move by God and you go to that same apartment, that same house that you don't even want to be in. You got a stack of mail right when you walk in. You're all, man, you're all tore up. You're tired. You know, God just touched you. You don't even want, you just going to go home and take a nap. You ain't even got, you ain't, you so broke. You, ain't even, you can't even pay attention. That's how broke you are. And you walk in that house and you can't even put the heat on because, you know, my, my brother went to his house to see him one time. And I said, bro, it's dark and it's cold in here, man. He's like, yeah, but I only put the heat on from this time to this time. And then when it's 
It's hot in here. I only turn the air on from this time to this time. And he'll crack the windows. And he had a time to when the sun would move, he would open the windows on the opposite side. That's how broke he was. That's broke. I mean, broke, broke is when you can get some spam and eggs, and that's, that's, that's a high-class meal right there. I'm talking Cheerios with watered-down milk. How many guys ever had watered-down milk before? Or am I the only one? I was, I was a kid one time. It was summer. And I, this is off track. I don't mean to do this. And I'm getting a bowl of cereal, and I go to the kitchen. Listen to this, Brother Sam. See, nowadays, uh, uh, those of you that are gluten freeze and whatever freeze and trying to be super healthy, you know, where you're eating leaves. And I've, I've never seen a piece of grass turned into juice. But anyways, my dad told me, I said, man, dad, where's all the milk? He said, don't worry about it. Go to the sink, turn the sink on, get that little bit of milk, put some water, put the top on, shake it up. That's good. It's better for you like that. That's 2% milk nowadays. He invented 2% milk. My God. He did. I, I, I swear he did. And I was like, whatever. You know, I'm a teenager. Whatever. I'll just put more cereal. Right? So, and my cereal was a Tupperware bowl. So it was like that big. I forgot I used to eat like that until I see my son. So, anyways, back to what we're talking about. David gets anointed by God. He thinks his whole life is about to change. Imagine them telling you, you are going to be king. And he's laid out. He got anointed by God. They drenched him with olive oil. So I blessed him and said, okay, I'll be seeing you soon, my son. He leaves. David's dad stands over him and says, get up and go back out there and mess with them sheep. Has that ever happened? Have you ever been touched by God? And then what? Say, then what? I don't know. I'm asking you. Then what? Then what happens after God gives you a word and revelation happens? You know what happens? You've got to grab a hold of the vision. Because without a vision, what would happen to David? If David couldn't see who he was, where he was going, what he was about to do, he would have lost himself out there. How many guys like my shoes? They're called uh, grandpa shoes. These are, uh, I read in a magazine that, and I seen it online, that the older I get, I, I can't be wearing cool shoes no more. I gotta wear old guy's shoes now, because I'm an older guy. They're pretty comfortable, so I'm moving around a lot. I don't know if anybody noticed that, Pastor Jeff, but I'm light on my feet. My ankles, I got ankle support this morning. <laughs> So David's out there. And the journey that David goes on in life, do you think it happened because he was anointed? Or do you think it happened because he had a vision? The Bible says this, that we are to write it down plain as day. Put it on something visible, big, right and bold. Me and my pastor were getting our, our vision statement together, and we were modifying and, and increasing some things. But one thing don't change in Habakkuk 2.2, write it down. Yes. If you don't write your vision down, then it means absolutely nothing, because you have to be able to see it to be reminded of it. So here's, here's what I'm saying. Follow with me. I told you guys year, a year ago. Get a verse. Get some verses that best describe you. Get some verses. Write them down. 
So you should be writing or putting this in your notes right now because if you don't have at your house some verses that when you go through some things, they're going to help get you through it. On my refrigerator, there's verses. In my bathroom, on the mirrors, there's verses. Because when I wake up, I know what I struggle with. I know what I'm going to go through. My wife knows what she deals with. So the first thing we do is we don't meet obstacles head on with our fists. We don't face things head on in the natural. Because in the natural, we'll fail. But if you look in the spiritual, guess what? There's value in me. And if I can hold on to my vision, and when I'm going through something, I can say, you know what, Father, in the name of Jesus, I remember that verse that was on my refrigerator when I woke up, and I got the bowl of cereal with my 2% milk. There's a verse on my refrigerator that's talking about my attitude. Ah, when I walk through the laundry area where our laundry room is at, and I'm going through the garage, and my wife's going through the garage, there's a little sticky right there. And she can say, I remember now. You need to write some verses down. You need to put them on walls in your house. Let people think you're crazy because they come over and you got 50 million stickies. And in my son Ezra's room, he's got about seven verses. And I, I told him, don't do it on a sticky, man, because you ain't going through little things, are you? And he says, no, sir. You're going through some big things right Yeah, Then write it bigger. Because God is bigger and the word is bigger than anything we go through. But if you don't write it down, you're never going to know. How would I never know? Because then you got no vision. You can't see where you're going. When it's raining real hard sometimes, you know, the windshield wipers, you got to put it a little bit higher, right? Especially when you get on the highway and there's these big 18-wheelers. You got to put it up. Why you got to put your windshield wipers up, Pastor? Because there's more coming at you. So you know what my answer is to the situations that come at us? Let's intensify what we know how to do. Let's make them verses bigger. Let's write them bolder. Put them in color. Decorate them. Man, put them in your kids' room. I tell you what, if you put some word on their door, they're going to see it. You put it in their room, they're going to see it. Put it in the bathroom, on the mirror, they're going to see it. When you're cooking dinner, put it around that cabinet right above the stove so you can see it. Yes. Speak life. Learn to speak life. Learn to be life. Yes. In Proverbs 29, 18, Brother Chris, if you would. Where there is no vision, say vision. vision. The people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Why do you think it says that? Why do you think it says you're going to be happy? Because you know where you're going regardless of what comes at you. You know the end result when you're going right through the middle of a storm. You know what's going to happen no matter what comes at you. Watch this out. This is pretty, this is pretty intense right here. Number two, if you're taking notes, that's number one. Number two, if you're taking notes. Stop seeing things with your eyes. See, a lot of times in the natural, sight is a natural thing. So if I tell you to look at me, everybody look at me. What are you doing? You're looking at me with your eyes. That's sight. Vision is a supernatural thing, not a natural thing. Everyone close your eyes for a moment. Now that your eyes are closed, I want you to think one great thing that you'd like to do. That's in your spirit. Right now you're thinking about something you're going to do. 
That's vision. See, sight is a natural thing. You see it with your eyes. Vision is a supernatural thing. You see it in your spirit. We need to stop seeing things with our eyes open and start seeing things with our eyes closed. We need to get a vision. Did you hear what I said? Stop seeing things with your eyes open. In other words, whatever you see, first of all, that's only temporary. That is subject to change. That is not what's really happening. See, right now, you get a letter and it's got red writing, that means either something's about to be disconnected or they're ready to pick something up. Yeah. That's in the natural. In the natural, you can go to the doctor, get a report from the doctor, and it could be totally bad and totally true in the natural. You can go get your ATM card. How many of you guys have one of these? Um, I remember when these first came out. Somebody, I, I don't know who the preacher was, started preaching that these were of the devil. Signs of the times. I don't know what I'd do without this piece of devil equipment, if you call it that. Satan made these. And then all of a sudden, they came out with a little chip on it. Oh, there it is right there, Chris. That's it. We're all going to hell. The mark of the beast. Man, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have one of these. I'm, I'm a, how many of you guys got one of these? Everybody and their mama got one. And including me and my mama, we got one. In the natural, you can take this right here. Go to pay for your food, and it'll say decline. Man, Brother Jim, you can go and wine and dine the sister and say, I got you, bro. I got you, whatever you want. Brother Levi can tell the sister, get in the car. Get five things, anything you want from Dollar Tree. I got you. I start saying that, she scooted closer to it. Let's see if she scoots away. Yep, on the way. Bam, let me, let me take some notes and act like I didn't hear that. So you can go and you can take this card right here and you can put it in that machine and it says decline. In the natural. For some people, this is our lives. You know, I use this thing about 10 times a day. About 10 times a day, I, if not more. In the supernatural, check this out. In the supernatural, this little piece of plastic right here holds so many of our, we pay our bills online, we shop online, you can, order, you can do everything online with one of these. You can pay for an Uber online, you can prepay for tickets right here, you can do everything you can think of and not have one dollar, because it's all right here. In the natural, if this thing says decline, you are Fill in the blank. But in the supernatural, God makes a way. The Bible says he's a way maker. That means he makes a way where there is no way humanly possible. You walk into the doctor's office, you're expecting a bad report in the natural. Supernaturally, I have heard of things happening that weren't supposed to happen. Your marriage can be tore up from the floor up. Let me say it the correct way. Your marriage can be tore up from the blow up. You could be broken and broke. You could be broke, busted, and disgusted one minute. And the next minute, in the supernatural, you close your eyes, you raise your hands, you praise God because God sees things that we don't see. God will show you things that you can only imagine. God will put you in places that you don't even belong. That's right. Hallelujah. I used to say, I don't deserve it, 
I'm not worth it. And somebody said, Pastor, how come, or it wasn't Pastor, it was, man, bro, how come you keep talking so negative about yourself? No, 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 no. See, you're looking at things in the natural. I'm living in the supernatural. I'm seeing those things that are not as though they already are. I may not deserve it in the natural. You may not be good enough in the natural, if that's even such a word as good enough. But in the supernatural, you are an overcomer. The Bible says you are supposed to go above and not beneath. But how could all that happen? Let me tell you how. Because you have to have a vision. What's my vision? Write it down. Write your vision down. That's what we're fasting for right now. See, I didn't say anything about the fast last week. And I've got so many questions. Uh, where's our verses? Where's our printout? Uh, what am I supposed to fast of? You know what? Figure it out. You're an adult. If, I, if, if you leave here in the morning, your kids got to go to school, you got to go to work, are you going to call me and say, Pastor, how do I get my kids up taking school? Uh, what time am I supposed to wake up to go to work? I don't know. Figure it out. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Let's look in the supernatural. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. This is, this is good stuff here. 1 Samuel 13, stop seeing things with your eyes open and start seeing them closed. Now, don't be an idiot. Don't leave here, get in your car and start driving with your eyes closed because you want God to show you something. All God's going to show you is a car accident. All right? Come on. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the hand of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and he delivered me out of the hands of the Philistines. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So in the book of Pastor Bud, chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to paraphrase it. David's saying this, look, I done already been through some things, and the only reason I know that I've come out of these things, I've been attacked by bears, I've been attacked by lions. Man, the Philistines, the, one of the greatest stories in the Bible is David against Goliath, right? The huge giant, the little bitty boy with one pebble. You know what? That's not true. The greatest story was this kid out in the field. And here comes this man on this horse going right by him. And David's messing with the sheep. And he says, hey, what's up? Having no earthly ideal who he was. The man on the horse is going like this and sees the little boy. Ah having no idea who that young man was. One day that young man was going to conquer a giant and it would be one of the greatest stories ever written in the Bible. You know, the Bible is the New York Times best-seller book ever to be written. The Bible is in every language known to man. It used to be in every motel, too, back in the day, right? 90% of us grew up with the Bible in our house and had no idea what was inside of it. Some of our parents used to use it to hold mesitas, which are tables, hold them so they're level, put the Bible underneath it so the table would be even. Some of us used to get hit with the Bible by our moms and dads because it was the first thing that was right there by the telephone and right by the sofa. They'd pick it up and throw it at you. And am I the only one? Right? I always say these stories about how my mother, you know, pray for me because what's that big broom called? You guys remember them big brooms where they had the, uh, the straw string? You guys know what I'm talking about? Them old school brooms? 
I got these scars on my back. If anybody wants to see it, let me know. Sister Gloria used to hit me like this. Ah. Anyways, so David tells this to the king. See, he's still the king right now. And he tells David, okay, okay, go. Lord be with you. Be with the Lord. Whatever, dude. Go to battle. Go fight for me. Go make me look good. See, a lot of times people aren't going to believe who God says you are and what you're called to do. As long as you can believe in you, as long as you have a vision, say vision. vision. You gotta have a vision. You gotta have a vision. Vision is in you. Number three, let's talk about this fast real quick. So if you're taking notes, we're on point three. Number three, the fast. Why? For the life charts, this is us. There's something I wrote, I want you to put this, if you're gonna, uh, here's what I believe. I believe all it takes is one word from God to change somebody's life. And I believe that God has given me a word. And if we could put this word out there, it will change people's lives. Here's the word, I like this one right here. Put it up there, Brother Chris, where it says we have to give it up. So if you're gonna put something on your Facebook or put hashtag, we have to give it up in order to get up. We have to give it up in order to get it. Here's we're going to explain that right now. As a church, the body of the of, we're the body of Christ, we have to give up some things we like, some things that we desire to get some things he wants us to have, some things we need, some things we deserve. You got to give some things up which are things you desire in order to get some things what he desires for you. Who is he? I want this year for us to first start learning about what vision is. Not for the church, but for your life. You know, if you don't have vision, if you can't think past such small, insignificant things we go through in life, if you can't look past them things, you're never going to make it. You're going to continue to have what you have. You're going to continue to work where you work. And I'm not saying where you work is bad. But do you want to, just hypothetically, do you want to stay where you are right now? If you take you right now and you go back and reverse to when you're 17, 18 years old, and let's say you're working at Burger King, McDonald's, Whataburger, do you want to stay there? You asked the you when you were that old, you're going to work at Burger King for the rest of your life. How do you feel about that? Do you think the you, 17, 18, even 19 years old, would say, yes, yes, I'm going to make french fries for the rest of my life, yes. Yes, I'm going to clean the, the grease pit out. That's my desire is one day I get to mop the bathrooms at McDonald's on East Lancaster. Yes. Is that what you want for yourself? Is that what you wanted for your, the young you? See, if we, we're doing a fast for 21 days. And for 21 days, you're going to stop things you desire. So I studied on Dan, the Daniel fast, which is one of the most popular fasts there are out there. There are many fasts. There's an Ezra fast. There's the Daniel fast. There's a corporate fasting. There's intermediate fasting. So as I'm studying for these fasts and I'm looking at Daniel, Daniel literally fasted from the things he desired. Things that people desired. If Daniel lived today, how many of you guys think Daniel would fast from, from one of these right here? And what's inside of one of these? So I was talking to my pastor and he says, no, no, you fast. Because you're sacrificing your body as the temple and you want to get getting all spiritual with me. I'm saying, you know what? Daniel, if he would live today, 
Daniel would be fasting from his Facebook. Because if you go to any place to eat, if you go to a car wash, if you go put gas, if you're in the grocery store in the line, 99.9% .9 of the people are like this, including the people that are checking you out. They're, they're, they're smooth. They got it down here like this. It's one of the greatest stores that, that my wife has exposed me to. It's called Marshall's. Right? It's like a mini mall in there. They have everything nice in there. This girl's checking us out, and I'm trying to laugh and joke, and she's like this. And she's scanning what she's doing. And she's, she's multitasking. Uh, line on her, her, her. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and she looks up at me. I'm like, God, and she's so consumed by what's in here. Everybody is so consumed by the media, by Netflix, Hulu. Do I keep going? Prime. Now it's Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. So I'm doing my fast. I get home. This is on my side of the bed. I charge it every morning because I fall asleep with it on my gut like this at night. Because I'm so, man, I'm so into the Word of God, Pastor Jess. I'm watching preaching 24 7. So I'm getting my word at night, right? And on Netflix, it's always on Netflix. Somehow I fall asleep and God uses, I mean, the devil's being used. I don't know who's getting on Netflix on my iPad in the middle of the night, but when I wake up, Netflix is on. It's not Joel Osteen. I don't know what's going on with my iPad. I think it's possessed. You know how hard it was for me not to get on my iPad? I said, okay, I'm going to watch this series of sermons that I'm watching. And all of a sudden, I jump back onto Netflix. Man, that devil's alive. Man, you know how hard it is? Once you have to stop doing something, you want to do it more. If I say, don't, thus saith the Lord, don't touch the fire. First thing you do is touch the fire. Yeah. You thought that was supposed to stop when you were a kid. No. Yes? No. Okay, I'm not going to do it. And you're doing it. Right? You're looking right at him. You're like... Right, right? 21 days, you're going to cut things out. You know what? If, if, it, if you don't desire it, it's not real. I wanted you to go one week, figure out some things in your life that are stopping you from seeing your vision through. It's real easy to see it with your eyes, but it's so hard to close your eyes and actually see yourself doing it or living it. That's why we're in the same position we're in. We're not fasting as a church because, well, we want church growth. No, we want to grow right here because before we can help the world, we need to help we. Me. I need to help me. You need to help you. It does no good to come to church and just sit there and stare at me and my old man's shoes I got on, which are comfortable as all outdoors. We have to give it up in order to get up. A lot of times, things that we desire Things that we want necessarily are not what God has for us. And they may be holding you down and holding you back. See, you may have gotten blessed by God by hearing a word from God. God knows how long ago. Let's just say 10 years ago. Let's say 5 years ago. But you're holding on to a word you got 5 years ago. And you're not going to see the vision. You're not going to see yourself through anything new because you're holding on to something in the past. Do you understand? That blessing, that word, that experience was last year. 
We're talking about this year. I need something fresh and new right now because I'm going through some maybe the same things, but they're not going to feel the same this year. You have to give up some things that you desire for 21 days. And what do I do in process, Pastor? What am I supposed to do? Because if I've got a problem and I like to go do this and I like to eat this food and, and, and my son said he was fasting from Dr. Pepper. As crazy as that sounds, check this out. God will take something so insignificant to him. Like Dr. Pepper. Instead of drinking Dr. Pepper, you don't just say, okay, I'm not going to drink Dr. Pepper for a week. And all of a sudden, I'm going to float. And I'm going to walk on clouds from now on. And all of a sudden, my bills are going to get paid. My marriage is going to get better. Because I'm not drinking Dr. Pepper for seven days or 21 days. Oh, the struggle is so real, Pastor. Because I'm not eating sweet bread. I'm skipping lunch. Some of you don't even eat lunch anyways. Give up some things that you desire so God can get you up and you can move forward. That's what you're fasting for. See, Daniel didn't fast just to fast. Daniel was fasting to prove a point. The point was, I don't need what the world has to offer me, even though everybody else is doing it, even though the doctors and the, everybody around is saying, you got to eat this way and you got to do this and you got to watch this in order to better yourself, you know? You got to hear an inspirational story every morning and you got to watch a tape and you got to listen to this preacher and you got to listen to that. And you need all of these other things just to make it through the day. That's a lie from the devil. You need one thing and that one thing is called a vision. And in that vision, you will learn how to get through some things yourself. Because you're cutting away those things that you desire and you're filling them with the things he desires. See, that's what's going to happen. When you start cutting some things out in your life, some things you desire, some things you want, God, and God starts having his way in your life, starts seeing some change in you, it's going it, it, to hurt a little bit. It's going to hurt. It's got to hurt. That's the whole purpose of the fast. Psychologically speaking, it takes 21 days to break a habit. How many habits do you have right now that need to be broken? Better yet, let me say it like this. How many things in your life are you going through that are holding you back? How many? How many things? See, what when God gave me this word and the word for this year is called anticipation. Anticipation. Say anticipation. Anticipation. We're eager. We're, we're, we're hungry, man. We, we're expecting something to happen. And in the processes of doing that, if you can't see the big picture, if you can't see where God wants you to be, and all you can see is, I've got to make this money, 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 so I can pay my bills, so my marriage will be better, so my kids are happy, and I won't have to hear them, and I won't have to deal with what's really going on. Money is not the answer. You're the answer. The doctors aren't the answer to the healing inside of your body. You are the answer. You know what bothers me more than anything else is what goes on outside the church doors. But what really hurts me the most is what's going on inside of our houses. There's no more desire. We're not anticipating. We're not hungry. We're not saying, okay, God, you're going to do something in my son's life. No, you know what we're doing? It used to just be a minority thing. Minorities used to have a big saying is, don't talk about sex. 
Don't talk about abuse. Don't talk about alcoholism. And if we pretend it doesn't exist, guess what? It never happened. Let's not talk about how we're such a dysfunctional family and as long as we hide it, it's all good. That's not real. That is not what God has for you. You're not a statistic. You're not a number in a big book that the government has and says, oh, they're number five on the failure list because they're Hispanic, because they're a minority. And what's starting to happen is the body of Christ has lost vision and it's become a race thing. It's become some kind of a, a, a facade of what it should be because just anybody's coming up here. Now, when I say a race thing, I'm not talking black and white. We're past black and white and brown. You know that? In the church, it's not, oh, it's because I'm black. Oh, it's because I'm Mexican. Oh, it's because he's Mexican. Oh, I'm Mexican. The best that's going to happen to me is if I'm lucky, I get to own a roofing company. Come on, tell me that ain't true. Nine out of ten times, Mexicans are roofers. We're construction workers. We have lawn companies. Well, how come we can't own a company that hires the roofers? Huh? But if your vision ain't big enough, see, you see what I'm saying? In churches, we're not preaching the truth, and we're not teaching you to have a big vision. To think big, to live big, because we serve a big God. How in the world can our God be called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And we're to serve in the, and the Word of God says this. We were created and made by this big, huge, beautiful thing. And the Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning, it says this, that you were created to bring joy to your God. How can you bring joy to God that controls, runs, and created everything, and you're a minimum wage man? You're a minimum wage woman. You think the best for you is to have two or three kids, find a good man to pay a couple bills, and that's it. Oh, I got a house. God's good. No, that ain't the kind of God you serve. In church, they're preaching one or two things. It's okay as long as it feels good. Let's do it. Once saved, once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and your Savior, then you have nothing to worry about. So if you sin and you mess up, it's all good. Just keep coming to church and keep giving your little $10, $20, and it's all good. No, it's not. It's not all good. Because in this world, you will go through some things. And the only way, church, you're going to know how to go through some real things. Got to get a vision. Say vision. Vision. Vision is in you. It's in you. That's what the fast is about. It's not about losing weight. You can go to corner store and get some... Omega-3s, you can go to the corner store and get some ginseng and lose a couple pounds. You know? We're not going 21 days and cutting some stuff that you like to eat out so you can go to Ross or you can go to Dillard's and you can get some smaller clothes and look good. Because looking good doesn't mean you're good inside, does it? You can cover up the ugliness that you have that you're carrying around right now with makeup, with a haircut, with a big hat. You can hide what you're going through in the natural. But you're never going to get to the next place if you don't grab a hold of your vision. 21 days where week one is gone. Maybe some of you have started your fast and didn't know what you were fasting for. Didn't really get it all too well. But let me tell you something. Right now, you're going to start. And you're going to stop doing something. At least one thing. You're going to cut it out. Whether it's your cell phone, multimedia. Whether it's getting on the internet too much. Maybe just going home and doing absolutely nothing from the moment you get home from work. Stop. 
Maybe it's the people you hang out with at lunch break. And you're going to give that time to God. We serve a jealous God. You know that? He is. He's a jealous, jealous God. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to take time out of your busy day and love Him. Remember, without a vision, you're going to perish. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. We ask that you continue to subscribe to our podcast or you come by and visit us at The Life Church in Fort Worth, Texas at 2517 Sargent Street. And next week, we'll be talking on our series, The Vision, as the next title will be Vision Needs a Vessel. See you then.